Amen. All right, so we're going to go into the book of Malachi. Malachi is uh, the last prophet. He's that in between, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. He's the last prophet of the Old Testament. And uh, he's going to be touching on this idea of, of the tithe or giving to God. And so today is all about financial peace. Someone say financial peace. Yes, financial peace. And so if you've been with us for any amount of time, every December we enter into a season of generosity and trust. And at the end of the year, right before we give our money to Santa, we, we bring it to the Lord. Got a few smirks, a few, few smiles. And we bring it to the Lord in our annual offering. And so um, it's been a beautiful thing to see all that God has done during the annual offering. Uh, but throughout the year, we got to we got to teach these things. We have a series coming up in September called um, Hello, My Name is Stuart. And so you're going to be getting your My Name is Stuart stickers when you come into the church. And it's really a series about stewardship, stewarding your finances, stewarding your health, your relationships. And so we're going to also be teaching you how to manage your money, how to have a plan and all that good stuff. But today, I think we have to lay a foundation. Uh, Foundations are necessary. So let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Verse six and Malachi says this here. He says, I am the Lord God through Malachi. I am, I am the Lord and I do not change. How many of you grateful for that? God is faithful. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you. So God uses that, that, that word there, repent. So, so if you're going in that direction and God is over here, he's saying, turn to me and, and I'll, I'll turn to you. It says this here, but you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? God says this in verse 8, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of tithes, of the tithes and offerings due to me. Someone say tithes. Yeah. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. You ever got that phone call and uh, it was that number you just didn't want to pick up? They're bill collectors. (laughs) Well, God is calling the nation of Israel right now. And he's saying, uh, you see how you can make a serious thing very light, you know? And um, he says, all right, it's time time to pay up time to pay up. You've been cheating me. And because of it, your nation is under a curse or a weight. And um, and so Capital One recently did a, a survey and it brought back that 73 uh, percent of Americans rank finances as their number one source of stress. That's astounding. It's a lot of people. Well, we got like 300 or 200 and how many Americans? 330, 230 million, 70%. 95% of marriages argue over money. And it is the number one cause of divorce. Uh, My wife and I, we were were just watching a documentary on 2020 the other night. And, uh, oh man, it was so sad. So sad. This woman ended up, you know, a victim of a heinous crime. Um, But it was really... The, the lifestyle that she engaged in that took her down this path and, and what was rooted in her, in her actions and her behavior was this financial stress situation. Um, her and her husband had divorced. He had this big job, but he left her and the kids with this huge house. And, um, 
you know, she was a soccer mom and all that stuff. And so one of the friends that they're interviewing is saying, like, she, she had this pressure to pay the mortgage. And as a result, she led this secret life that no one knew about until after she passed away. And I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking to my wife, like, we value things way too much. Like, it, it, it's a house. You know, uh, many of you know that uh, we just had a, our basement flooded and a week later, uh, our attic caught on fire. So right now our family is in a hotel and, uh, you know, we'll be transitioning to an apartment soon for about six months. But you go into our house now, it's like, man, was this ever a home? It's like completely destroyed. But uh, my wife and I, we resolve like if, if things don't work out well or if things don't fall through the way that they should fall through, because everyone now has their own interest at play. We resolve if we have to lose the house, we're going to lose the house. But we're going to push God's kingdom for it because there are more important things than things. You know, and things aren't evil. It's okay to, you know, to have houses and clothes and, and, and to have all these things, but they, they can't have you. They can't have you because any one situation can cause all of it to bottom out. And you really see who you are when you lose things, right? My pastor used to say, money only makes you more of what you are. And um, 55% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 65% of Americans will retire with less than $10,000 in their account. 70% of millennials spend four hours of a work shift on financial stress. Whether we think about it, we're texting on it, you know, it's just constantly on our minds. And part of the issue is, is that many of us never observed, you can write this down, uh, our parents pray about finances. Um, we never observed uh, them budget together. Um, we never saw them set financial goals. So y'all remember the generation series. We didn't see it, right? And so we'll grow up and, and we, don't, we don't do it until someone comes into our lives. Uh, we were never taught, many of us, credit, the importance of a, a good credit score, the impact of debt. And many of us were never really taught God's principles on finances, or what the Lord has to say about his money. <laughs> um, and if God is a loving God, he wants you to have financial peace, right? And, and, and so, and so th this is very profound if you do a deep dive into scripture. Um, faith is mentioned 250 times in the Bible. Love is mentioned 300 times. Uh, finances are mentioned, or the concept of money is mentioned 800 times. Only second to the concept or idea of God himself, which is mentioned 8,000 times. So right there with God is money. And Jesus even makes a statement in Matthew 6. He says, man cannot serve God in money. So there's only one thing that Jesus compared God to was money because of the position it holds in our hearts. And so um, God doesn't want us to be buried in fear. He wants you to be filled with with peace when it comes to your finances, peace, that, that, inner, that inner calm, okay? And so today, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. And financial peace begins with putting God first and at the center of your finances. So what we're going to talk about here is the tithe. Someone say tithe. So what is tithing? Go ahead and write this down. First note, tithing is giving back to God what belongs to him. 
This is what God says, you've cheated me. You owe me. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this. And here it is. Pull that off. Here it is. It's not that God needs our money. You know, God's not up in heaven like, man, I got this building plan and got the blueprints. And um, man, if I had the, the money to pay these fees to the inspection department, you know, if, if, I, if I could get my permit to build on the east side of, of you know, Jesus way, <laughs> Holy Spirit Ave, man, if that church right there would just give me what I needed. So he's not coming from a place of need. He's, he's trying to uh, uh, introduce us into a principle of, of peace. I wouldn't even go as far as to say, even though it's financial peace, but I would just say peace, mm-hmm. right? And so he says this here, 10%, Leviticus 2730, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. Whether it grows in your fields or on your fruit trees. So this was an agricultural society. And, and, and Moses, God through Moses is saying, 10% belongs to me. So when you get paid, if you get paid $2,000, it 200 is set aside for God. But you have the responsibility to bring it back to him. So it, the 200 belongs to him. It, it, is, it is his. Everything you harvest, someone say harvest, harvest, is holy. And it belongs to me. Everything you harvest a lot of people say, I, I work for it. I studied for it. I pulled all-nighters for it. I took out loans for it. I did this for it. I did this. I did this. I did this. And my question is always this. Who gave you the mental capacity? Who gave you the breath? Who gave you the strength? Who gave you the means to gain wealth? It says in Deuteronomy that God has given us the strength and the means to, to gain wealth. And all he asked for is 10%. And, and that's the starting place. That's the, here it is. That's the elementary place right there is the 10%. There should be something in you that wants to grow beyond that when, when you're in Christ. So tithe, here it is, write this down, means first, tenth, or the best portion of your produce. So you remember Cain and Abel, um, because a lot of people say, Christians, seasoned Christians will say, we don't have to tithe because it's law. We're in grace giving, which really is an excuse to give less than 10%. Um, It's an excuse to give less than 10%. My thing is, is if we're saved by grace, we should give more than 10%. But anyway, we'll be more discreet. Those are all the tithers clapping. Okay. So... The best portion. So this, this predates Moses. We're going to talk about Abraham in a minute, the father of our faith, the generation series hashtag there. We're going to go back to Abel. Abel gives his best portion to God. Cain, the Bible says, gives some. So a- Abel came ready. You know, I'm going to church today. And I, I know, you know, Jaira more than enough, all that. I know that. Like, I get that. Like, I need that. But, but when, it, when, when that boy named Chow come up with the microphone and ask for the offering, I'm going to be ready to go. You know what I mean? That's how Abel came. That's how he came. That's, you know, he was ready. Cain was like, uh, uh, uh. I'll slide him these two or three dollars, you know. 
And it said he gave some. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering and, and he didn't accept Cain's. And, and, and as a result, Cain was jealous because he didn't have peace with God. And Abel did. And he ended up killing Abel. And so um, the purpose of tithing, Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing, here it is, is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Here it is. Write this down. Tithing is biblical. It's biblical. The Bible is God's word. And tithing isn't just an Old Testament thing. But, but it even goes beyond Christ into the New Testament. Abraham, the father of your faith, tithed. Someone say Abraham. Abraham. All right, Genesis 14. Let's go through this story real quick. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king, someone say king, king, the king of Salem. That's such good stuff right there in those first six words. I could, I could preach a whole series on those first six words. Well, number one, if, if you read about Melchizedek, he, he doesn't have a lineage. The Bible says that he doesn't have a beginning. And a lot of theologians believe that this was Christ pre-incarnate. We don't, they don't know where Melchizedek came from. But he was the king, someone say king, of Salem. Someone say Salem. Salem translated from the Hebrew means peace. All right. Y'all, y'all there? We don't know where he came from. One of Jesus' nicknames is the prince of peace. One of his nicknames is the king of kings. And, and, and it says this here in the verse, and a priest of God most high brought Abraham some bread and wine. So who gave first? Melchizedek. God. Jesus gave first. Who gave you your strength first? Who gave you the means first? Who gave you your shelter first? Who gave you your food first? Who gave you your strength first? Who gave you your knowledge first? He gave first. All right, here it is. Okay, we're in the Bible. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Then he blessed him. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. I studied for it. I work for it. I struggled for it. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. You, you had a part to play. God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. So Melchizedek is really just setting it straight with Abram. He's like, look, bro, I know you just went through a tough battle, but you came out on top. And I just want to let you in on something. It really wasn't you. It was the Lord. And watch the man of faith's response. To, to this amazing God, to this amazing Melchizedek. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth. Someone say tithe. tithe. Of all the goods he had recovered. This is the thing. It was customary in this time and for centuries, for, for millennia. Anytime you entered the presence of a king, you don't come empty handed. Anytime you enter a king's palace i mean jesus says i will build my house like he's you you don't you you come to church yeah you need a blessing you need some strength you need some prayer you need some connections but you should never come to the church empty-handed 
he, he was ready to go. And, and what would happen throughout history was whenever you would come to a king and give them a gift, their favor would rest on you. There was a favor that a connection would happen. A door would open something, something, something supernatural would happen. And that's what that's what God God wants to do. So that's Abraham. Let's jump over to Jesus. Jesus here it is practice and encouraged tithing. Matthew 23 says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb garden. So their herb gardens were their smallest harvest. And a lot of these Pharisees had a lot of stuff. Houses, land, they, they had stuff. But they would go to their herb gardens, pull, pull, pull it out, and they would put it, put it like this. And I used to work in a pharmacy. I was a pharmacist tech for a little while. And I remember my favorite part of that job was pouring out the pills. And slapping that thing open, pulling out my butter knife, my pharmacy butter knife thing, I called it. I never knew what it was called. It was a butter knife to me. And, and, and this person needs 30 pills for a month. And I was like, six, five, seven, ten, and 30. And that's what they would do. They would put their herb things. They would say, I can't give God too much. Gotta be 9.99%, Lord. And this is what Christ is saying. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You sh- Here's his endorsement on tithing. Christ himself, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Christ would not teach something that he himself didn't do. And one of the things I'm going to teach next Sunday about baptism is one reason you should be baptized is because Christ was baptized. We always want to follow in his steps. Because it, it's, it's the best step. So let's go over to Malachi 3.10. Y'all okay? Yeah. My first time guest, y'all okay? Good. It's good. Someone said, woo, I'm here. <laughs> woo. I promise we good people. I, I promise. I promise we good. You're going to want to stick around for a little bit. It, it's a it's good, good place to be, a healthy place. Healthy place. I mean, don't you appreciate a pastor getting in your grill about this stuff? Yeah. Isn't it good? Some pastors be like, God's going to bless you if you do this. I ain't got time for that. You need to tithe. You need to put God first. Come on. Oh, come on, y'all. We're my old faithfuls when I need you. Got time for all that. God says it right here. Like, I got you. I'm just a messenger. You know what I mean? I can tell you how to break generational dysfunction and be blessed and I do all this. We can't talk about tithe. Come on, man. I tell my team all the time, like, I, I can encourage you, but be ready for the correction, too. You need balanced love in your life. And, and our generation is so used to affection. Uh, affection. Like, there are two sides to love. It's affection and discipline. You know what I mean? This is still the same God that sent his son to die for their sins. And he's just saying, you cheating me. And as a result, you can't be blessed. That's the kind of love I need. Right? Man, it's like, oh, kids, don't do anything. You know, just, just do what you want to do. Where do you want to go? You know, that's, and it's bad conditioning for the generations ahead. We, we, need, we need balanced, you know, balanced love. And so um, it says this here in Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes. <laughs> God is going in. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. Someone say temple. Temple. 
That's the New Testament church. All right. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open. Here it is. Here it is. I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. He has an exclamation point there. Put me to the test. God is, God is screaming from heaven. And he says this here, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from, from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I want to give you how to tithe. Okay, go ahead and write this down. Tithe to God through your local church. Back in Malachi's day, uh, the temple was in Jerusalem, and a lot of times you couldn't make it to Jerusalem, so there were local places of worship called synagogues where you would bring your tithe. And right now that's translated into the local church. Jesus said in Matthew 6, I will build my church. Uh, One way that he builds his church now because he's in heaven is through the Holy Spirit, through you. The other way is through the tithe through the finances that you bring. This is so powerful. Hebrews 7, 8 NIV says this. In one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. All right, so when Pastor Child gets up here and he's calling for the tithe, he will one day pass away. When the ushers check the boxes and you give your tithe, we're all going to pass away one day. Same hand. On one side, you give to those who die. Same hand, different side. In the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So what you're tempted to believe is just a natural transfer. Uh, Only five of y'all follow me today. I'll go with you, babe. I wish I could go with others, but everyone else is just like. (laughs) What you're tempted to believe is a natural transfer is really a supernatural transfer. That when it leaves your hand and it hits the church, it's actually accounted for in heaven and in eternity. That's what. Let me read this. Old school Bible study. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. The pastors, the staff, the deacons, whatever your church persuasion is, they got to budget it. They got to feed people. They got to serve the city. They got to pay bills. They got to turn on the AC. They got to turn on the lights. They got to put people in counseling in the one case. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Now, we, we, I think we celebrate it. What's today? Today is May 23rd. Do my math. 16th, 19th, 9th, 9th, uh, the 2nd, April. I think about seven weeks ago, we, we celebrated this. By him who is declared, didn't we, we declared it on April 4th. Yeah, 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 Easter, come on now. I think, come on. I think we was all in here like, you Peter and you John and you... And 20 people got saved. And uh, I think we declared that. So this is just as real as as April 4th. This is just as real as as when we get excited on Easter. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so and y'all know Jesus be tripping. You ever read the story? Um, you, you remember the story. Like he, he right there at the temple. And, and he's watching the offering plate. That junk is it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. And he's like, now, Joe, you know. And, and then this woman with two copper coins comes up. 
And, and if you break down how much two copper coins are worth in this day, she gives two cents. They're two pennies. And, and she drops those pennies in the plate. And, and Jesus speaks out because he cares and he counts and it matters. And he sees. He's like, she gave more. That's a quantifiable word. <laughs> That's quantity. That's not like, oh, bless her heart. That's not quality. She got a good heart. That's like numbers. You know, she gave more than all you others. Pull, pull that verse back up. On the one case, in the one case, the tenth is given and collected by Pastor Josh, who's going to die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be. To be living. So, so this is the takeaway. When you tithe, you're partaking in the supernatural. And your, your giving to man is deposited in heaven. Don't clap on that, but just let that so It's deposited in heaven. And it matters to God. Because when you tithe, it's breaking the spiritual stronghold. That not money, but a spirit of greed has on you. It's it's really a spirit of greed that says, well, I know what God's word says. It was just clearly preached to me, but I ain't doing it. That's what you call bondage. That's a spiritual bondage that keeps you from obeying and trusting God with 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 10 percent. And it's just 10 The second way you tithe is consistently. So when you start it, do it consistently. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. First Corinthians, that's Paul. So Cain and Abel, Abraham, Malachi, Jesus, Paul. I mean, all the way to the modern church. And, And write this down. Put it at the top of your budget. Put it at the top. Make it a habit. Make it a habit. The first thing that, that comes out. My wife and I, we've been, we've been giving. We're in the offering zone now. So the offering is beyond the tithe. It's, we've been giving eight years consistently. We, we haven't missed a week. And um, our, uh, it's funny because our, our house is burnt down. Um, but I can rewind to... Seven years ago, one year into marriage, when we were, we were on full-blown welfare. And uh, I was bringing in $500 per check, family of four. Still doing the ministry. And I was tempted to not honor God. Because I'm like, I could take these $50 and go to Tijuana Flats. <laughs> Tijuana. I just took y'all down to Florida. Took y'all to Virginia to Florida. It needs to come up here. But get what I'm saying. All you're going to do is eat it. So back, back to the, I, I can take these, they didn't even catch that, Carly. I can take these $50 and go to Starbucks. But we had already committed to moving it to 11%. And you said, babe, don't do it. We got to trust God. I know it's embarrassing to go to the grocery store and you got to pull out your WIC card and, you know, your food stamp card. And you got to use it. But we have to give God what belongs to God. And and then when the house just burned down, 
because uh, it's, it's a practice. You said we need to we need to pray over this offering. We're going to we're going to put them first because that's the thing. You're going to start doing it. And then stuff is going to start happening. The water heater is going to go out. A bill's going to pop up. You're going to be like, well, I thought the pastor told me, you know, the windows of heaven open above my life. And well, at that point, Satan is upset. And, and there's been a spiritual attack released over your life to disrupt your peace with God in that area. So so it's not the time to give up on it. You, you keep you keep you keep you you keep giving. You keep trusting. You keep you keep you keep you keep. You got to. Every other year, I'll give you something. Maybe you want to do this journey. It's not biblical. It's not anything you necessarily have to do. But every other year, we increase our offering. And the goal is to eventually live on 10% and give away 90. Because God says, test me. And so I, I want to I test God. You know, I, I know, I know we're in a hotel right now. It don't matter. <laughs> this is still between me and you. Like, I got to, I see you, bro. I, I see what you're doing. I'm going to still give. I'm going to still honor you. I'm going to still worship you. It don't even matter. I love you. You love me. It's not even about the money. But I want to see your hand move in my life. And, and I'll wait on it. I'll wait on it. I'll wait on it. Ah. Why tithe? Why tithe? Number one, because it strengthens and moves your church forward. Why tithe? Because every other day your, your church gets a phone call of a marriage that is struggling. Of a, of a family that's about to be evicted. Your church. People that you may be even in light groups with, but they, they don't share it with you. But they, they call the church and say, I, I've, run, I've ran out of resource. I've ran out of support. Will you, can you help? Why, why tithe? He said, so that there will be food in my house. Not physical food, but spiritual food. So that, so that groups can meet throughout the week. Why, why tithe? Because there are hungry children out there in the city that your church is planted in. That, that's why, why we tithe. And I'm pleased to report that in, in just over four years, you've given over $130,000. Come on, we can celebrate this to outreach domestic violence and all these things. And we even have an amazing opportunity to serve um, on May 28th. We're going to be handing out groceries in a, in a local apartment complex. But that, that's what your tithe does. It, it impacts your city. It strengthens your church. It moves the vision of the church forward. Um, you know, I tithe, you tithe. We bring it together into the house of God and, and our kids can go and be cared for, and the gospel can be shared with them. We can come into a safe space and worship the Lord and receive a word and, and connect with amazing people. It, it really strengthens your church. And what I've come to find out is only Satan likes a broke church. He loves a church that can't pay the bills. He loves a church that can't get out in the city and get people to God. He, he loves he loves an empty church. Oh, he was having a heyday last year. He, he, you know, but it moves your church forward. 
And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be in a place that's strong where, where, where we're developing leaders and, yeah. and we're releasing people and people are finding purpose and they're finding freedom and marriages are forming and kids are being, I, I, I want that strength in the house of God and I want to play a part in it. The second reason why you should tithe is because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive him. You can't outgive God. John Rockefeller, the richest American in our country's history. His dad was absent, but his mother loved the Lord. She was a Christian. And um, in the early 1900s, he brought home his first pay. (laughs) $1.50. (laughs) And his mother, a strong Christian, taught him the value of tithing and told him to give 15 cent to the Lord at the local church down the street. She said, baby, take this check, go down the street, give 15 cent to God. And, And he said this here. He grew up and he said this. He said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary which was $1.50 per week. He would go on to own over 90% of the oil industry. And if you translate his wealth from back then, even to now, he would still be three times as rich as Jeff Bezos. $340 billion. You can't outgive God. Now, now we're, not always, we're not all destined to be oil tycoons, but the principle and the truth still applies. We have, we have Financial Peace University here. Come on, let's celebrate Isaac and Catherine Shea. Amazing leaders here at the church. And, and they had eight. It was, it was so funny because last semester, the first semester, at like uh, we had 30 slots. I think 15 people signed up and only two showed up. You got to start small. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't, don't say, well, Lord, I'm going to step out and I'm going to start tithing, but it's only going to be $50. Don't despise it. it it'll grow. Right. And, and, and this past semester, they had eight people because they were faithful with the two. And th- those eight people collectively in three months saved $10,000, and they paid off $25,000 in debt in three months. Financial peace. Financial peace. And that, that's what you call growing towards it. And they're going to take a break in the summer and start it again in the fall. So if you're interested, because God cares, it's in God's word. He knows what you need. If you're interested, sign up for Financial Peace University this fall. And the last point, Jason, go ahead and close me out, is this financial. Go ahead and write this down. I didn't correct it with production, but write this. Financial peace is found in my heart, not in my bank account. It'll say freedom, but say financial peace is found in my heart. Not in my bank account. And um, I'll just tell you that that's been the, the biggest blessing of giving to God faithfully. Is knowing that there's no, no beef between, between me and the Lord, between you and the Lord when, when you give. There's no beef. Like, there's an inner calm and knowing. Like, even when hell is all around and when the account is low, you put your provider, you put your provider first.
And so maybe some of you don't even know what the word gyra is or means. But um, gyra was a name that was given to the Lord when he had provided for one of the, the heroes of our faith. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God who, who provides. The biggest blessing is peace. It's not, uh, you don't give to get. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying that when you release it, there's a, God, you're first in my heart. Come hell or high water, you're first through, through a lot or a little. There's always been peace in knowing that God is a provider. That's right. And this, this is why I come to find out you can't put a value on your peace. Yeah. I mean, think, think about it, guys. And, and, and so when this happened to our family, the first thing I did was I prayed for protection over every person un, under, under our covering as, as shepherds. Yeah. Because I know Satan goes for the head. Then he goes for the body. So I started praying for protection over you guys. Think about it. A house burns down. You're displaced. This is the kind of stuff that destroys families. That destroys people. People go into alcoholism and drug addiction and, 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 and affairs and all this stuff. Can I just tell you? There's a whole lot of peace. In the Reading household, there's a whole lot of peace. Whole lot. It's a lot of peace. Because now God and Satan knows you can't get them with stuff. They're too focused on getting people to heaven. So I'm not saying give and in a year you're going to have 100 grand. I'm saying give so that whenever the storms of life come, you you, you know, even though you don't see it, you you know, you know, um, the Lord has you. And, And we're not we're not preaching this from the vantage point of need. We're in great financial standing right now. Uh, last year, as we were renovating this church, I mean, money was going out. And, and people were leaving. Giving was declining. We hired three people. We're strong right now. I could pay all of our bills for the next year. We'd be fine. I can hire one or two people right now. This is not an area. We don't. Let me tell you, before you even got here, the church was being built. That, that's Christ's promise. So this ain't about... Don't need your money. Don't need it. Um, I'm going to go have me something to eat anyway. You know, I'm going to do that. This is between you and, and what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. He loves you. He wants you to have peace. So there are a few groups in this room. One group, you've heard of tithing, giving before, <clears throat> but it was unhealthy. And the church cheated and they lied. And as a result, you said, I'll never trust the church again. The other group, you've heard it before. You get it, but you're not doing it. The other group, you've heard it, you're doing it. I'd encourage you, if you're not giving, 
and it doesn't have to be highlight. It can be your local church. But wherever you're getting fed, wherever your kids are being ministered to, wherever you're building relationships, wherever you're growing spiritually, you should give there. You should you should give there. And um, and if you're not or if you're if you're already doing it, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. It's building something in you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Ooh, we, we thank you for messages like this. They're not the ones we we jump on and but but it, it's truth and love. And it's because, Lord, you want us to be filled with the fruit of peace. An inner calm, a mental assurance that you're in control. And so, God, I pray for peace over the minds of your people. If there's anyone under financial hardship, bless them, God. Lift the burden. Give them peace. A peace that surpasses understanding. If there's anyone in here who has a desire to give, but they don't have the means. God, I pray that you would lift a spirit of shame and condemnation off of them. Their hearts are right. God, help us to trust you. To obey your word. So you can open up the windows of heaven over our lives. There's anyone in here who does not know Jesus as your Lord. I want to give you that opportunity to come to God today. To make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible declares that there is only one way to the Father. And the way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. So I want to give you an opportunity to have a fresh start. Forgiveness is yours. Just open your hearts and pray this prayer with me. And you shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Father God, I thank you for raising Jesus from the grave so that I would have eternal life. And today, I turn to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I repent of a life of sin. I receive your forgiveness. Now, God, I ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit and the grace to serve you for the rest of my life. I love you. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Love you guys.